Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. All right, man, I, I just had such a good time in the first service. I wish I could have just recorded and played the video, but, but we're going to do it again because it was something good. I had fun. Amen? Uh, you know, we're t- today's sermon is titled Behave Yourself. All right? Behave Yourself. All right, it is about time we start talking about some behavior around here because behavior matters. But I want to first give you a couple pictures. You know, this one right here, look at that. Don't you love that picture? Now, don't you want to go wherever those people are? It just looks like way too much fun, right? Well, that is going to be on uh, three digital billboards for the whole month of January. We're going to be blasting that all around town. We're going to have invite cards that you're going to get. We're going to blast social media. We're going to blast that everywhere. So Madeline gave us permission, and these other kids gave us permission to use their likenesses to promote the impact world. Isn't that great? So that's going out there, and we're starting in January a series of sermons called See Yourself Here, and we want you to see yourself. 2020 is a time where people's sight is going to be restored, and you need to see clearly. You need to see God's purpose for your life clearly, and you need to see all of London needs to see that to see yourself clearly, you need to be here. There's people that are lost and blind and don't even know what's going on in their lives. You know, we need them to see. We need them to see themselves. We need to see themselves here in a community where their full destiny can be unpacked and realized. And so we're going to tilt the world in the next few weeks so that if somebody fell down accidentally, they would roll right to the front door. We're going to make it hard. We're going to make it hard. We're going to make it hard for people not to find Jesus. All right? So that's important stuff. And one other thing, again, uh, just one more slide. Pop this one for me. Acts 2020. Say 2020. 2020. You know what's coming up? 2020. You know, I think 2020 is great. Acts 2020 for 2020 vision. Here's how you get 2020 vision. They kept, I kept nothing back from you that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and I taught it to you publicly and from house to house. So it's great to be in the celebration. It's great to have the celebration meetings, but for 2020 vision, for real clarity of purpose in your life, you need to be plugged into a small group. Any adults here today? Any adults? Thank you. Some don't know. So, <laughs> Do you know that it's, it's my expectation? It, it's my hope. It, it, it's my desire as I pastor you that every one of you is in a small group, that every one of you is serving somewhere because I really want to see everything. I'm, I'm, uh, God's holding me responsible for shepherding this house. It's really important for me that you plug into a small group. Can you feel that right there? Can you, did you feel that? Did you, did you, if they didn't feel it beside you, just pinch them and say, did you feel that? I need you to feel that. It's important. So, you know, if you can't find a group, I'll help you start a group. And uh, we're going to have groups. We're going to do fun. Amen? Man, somebody up here is smeared in, like, menthol. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's helping me breathe. I don't know. Maybe it's the Holy Ghost. I don't know, but smelling the Christmas spirit in the room. I don't know. Isn't it good? Can you smell it, too? It's the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you. So, so corporate celebration is important, but hey, face-to-face is a big, big deal. Can I get an amen? amen? 
Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get an amen? The Holy Ghost going through you. So, all right. John chapter 1, a little bit of Christmas. You know, today in your Bible reading, if you're tracking with us right now, today, December 15th, we're in the pastoral epistles. We're in Timothy and Titus all day. So you're going to read what you're supposed to read today. You're going to be right in and right track. How many really enjoyed tracking with the Bible all year? How many have no idea where your Bible is? You've lost it and uh, have put it at the bus stop somewhere and... It's been a, I appreciate it. I'm thankful to you folks tracking with us. This is something I've always dreamed about, preaching through the Bible with the church in a year. And so I really appreciate you indulging me to go through this journey. It's been an awesome journey. I think a book's going to come out of it. I think something powerful is going to come out of it. And I think we can share this journey with others because it's been real good. Amen? Amen. So John, we're starting in John just because it's a Christmas story. But all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. All right, the children of God, they are reborn. They're reborn. I want to tell you straight off the top, behavior matters. Behavior really, really matters. But mankind never had a behavior problem. Mankind had a birth problem. You were a slave to sin because you were born in Adam. Adam gave birth after his own kind, and that bent, that, that sin bent was passed down, and everybody had a birth problem. And it wasn't a behavior problem. It's because of what you were born in, you're a slave to sin. You know what sinners do? They sin. So there's a birth problem, not a behavior problem. So we're not, you, know, you cannot fix behavior by saying you need to smarten up. They needed to be born again. And thank God, he says, to those who accept him, who believe in him, they're given the right to become the children of God. They're reborn, not a physical birth resulting in human passion or our plan, but birth that comes from God, God himself, that rebirth from God. Pop me a slide there, boom. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. From his abundance, we have received one gracious blessing after another. Did you know that when you're a child of God, Every day you wake up and you are being slammed with favor. You're being slammed every day with wave after wave of the grace and goodness of God. What should you expect from God every day? Favor, blessing, acceptance, privilege. You are a child of God. And that is coming on you whether you like it or not. It's like standing in the ocean. Here comes another one. It's just wave after wave of the goodness of God. It's not one wave of grace. That word means wave after wave of his goodness is just pounding your life. Isn't that awesome? Every day, you just, boop, there's another one. Woo! All right, so, bam, that's coming all the time. From the law, the law was given through Moses, but, say but, God's unfailing love and his faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the unique one, Jesus himself. He, God, he, the one very near the Father's heart, he has revealed God to us. You want to know what God's like? Jesus is God. That's really what it's all about. So we've got to stay focused on that. So he had a, a problem. He were, had a birth problem. God dealt with it. And it said right at the start when Jesus went to Nicodemus, the smartest guy, the, the student, the guy who understood all the law, he said, you know, what do we got to do to get in the kingdom? He said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, we're going to crawl back in my mother's womb. That sounds creepy. He said, no, I can't believe you're a teacher of the law and you don't understand that the whole message of the law is you must be born again. He said, Jeremiah said it. Ezekiel said it. I mean, the law could never save you, but there was going to come a time, and I promise you, there's going to come a time where God would become man and God, man, would cut a covenant with God. God would cover both sides of the deal and you become brand new. You become a new creature in Christ just by saying, thank you. I believe. And Nicodemus didn't get it. Even though he studied the law, he never saw 
that it, he was stuck on, well, I thought we had a behavior disorder. No, you don't have a behavior problem. You have a birth problem. You must be born again. Behavior matters. Tell your neighbor, behavior matters. And the title is, Behave Yourself. Thank God I came for this sermon. And I'm especially glad you and you and you were here because your behavior is suspect. So you need to pay attention. All right. Tally Sharrod, she's a cognitive neuroscientist. Here's what she said. She said, most of us go through life with a selective ear for the good news we take in. We hear the good more than the bad, the flattering more than the insulting, and we update our beliefs. We update our beliefs in a way that reflects that bias. You are pre-wired to think good stuff. You are pre-wired. You literally, people are pre-wired to change their behavior based on good information rather than bad. You are naturally created to not respond to warnings and threats, but you're naturally created to respond to encouragement and good news. Who do you think made you that way? I think it was the Almighty. All right, so Dr. Caroline Leaf, good believer, switch on your brains from this book, says, the good news is we are wired for love, which means all our mental circuitry, say all, all our mental circuitry is wired only for the positive, and we have a natural optimism bias. We have a bias. Just like uh, Tally Sherritt said, she said, we have a bias towards the positive. We have an optimism bias. Fear is a learned response. If you fear, if you doubt, if you question, if you have, you know, unsettled things and concerns, they're not from God. And wherever you're getting them from, and you should never, ever get them in church. And if people try to encourage you on your way to good behavior by warning you and threatening you, if you don't straighten up, you're going to hell. That doesn't come from God. If you don't straighten up your salvation, it's risky. Doesn't come from God. And you know what? You are naturally predisposed to say, I don't hear that. So we're trying to reach people in a way that they're not even wired to receive. And we're trying to modify behavior with a method that you were never created to respond to. And sadly, religion has made, don't, 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 and that's why a lot of people are saying pass. Hello. Let me give you an illustration. Here you go. You know what's really, really funny? Terry didn't see that picture. But Terry said when he first came, he thought my wife looked like Jennifer Aniston. He said, remember the, back when Brad Pitt and her used to date? And I went, exactly. I had somebody call me Brad this morning. Do you know, most people, when they look in the mirror, they have an optimism bias about themselves. They like what they see. You're trained to not like yourself. You're trained to think you're fat or you're ugly. You're trained to not believe the very best about yourself. And sadly, we've been brought up in cultures and homes and structures and systems where we look at things and it treats, teaches us to perform and get on the treadmill of you could do better. You could look better. 
I mean, come on. Look at that. Thank you, Team Duver. So, all right, I got to move on. I mean, you get the point, right? I think. You know. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given. Say not given. God has not given a spirit of fear. So who did not give you a spirit of fear? Who does not authorize fear as a vehicle to cause change in your life? Who does not authorize that at all? Who does not authorize threats? Who? God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's what God's given you. That's what God's given you. Fear is a learned behavior. It's not your original design. You were designed to respond to good news, not threats and warnings. But here's the truth. You need to behave yourself. And here's the truth. Behavior matters. Because people can't see that you're born again, but they can see how you live. All the behavior people say amen. Amen, because behavior matters. You know, the good news doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. Although, you know what? If you really get the good news, you can do whatever you want. Because when you really get the good news, you wanna, you wanna. You're zealous for good works when you really get the good news. You don't just wanna do good works, you're zealous for it. You're just like, I can't wait to wake up and bless somebody. Unless you've been dropped on your head and you don't get it. How are you? Religion has been pounding people for years, and it's really, really hard to get this message across because you, you hit this default in people's lives, and they go, you have to be careful with that. God's not that good. No, he's not that good. He's way gooder than I could ever, ever explain to you. So, behavior matters. It really, really matters. Honest to goodness, it really does. It's very, very important stuff. All right, so let me give you a little picture. Now, this was done by Dr. Sherratt. Uh, this is studies that they did. Are you ready? On the one side, it says, your ability to learn from bad news. The red line is your ability to learn from bad news. Now, over a lifetime, your ability to learn from bad news changes. Right? But if you look at the green line, the green line is your ability to learn from good news. You are always in... I know those are miserable pictures, aren't they? <laughs> looks kind of goofy. But, but your ability to learn from good news is pretty steady through all of life. You can always learn from good news. But when you are younger, you really don't learn from bad news. And here I heard somebody today saying that, you know, like... Somebody came in and said, hey, Pastor, what's Santa getting you? Have you been, have you been naughty or nice? And I went, there it is. Performance. You're going to be blessed based on how did you behave yourself this year. And it's built into so much of our culture, you know, that you got to behave a certain way to get approval. But you know what? Here's the way the kingdom works. I'm approved, so therefore I get to behave a certain way. Same words. You just got them in the wrong order. I love because I'm loved. I don't love to show. Look, I'm going to show you that I love you by loving others. No, I love because I'm loved. I love because he first loved me. So there it is. About four, when you're about 40 years old, you actually learn a little bit from negative stuff. Then you get to 50, you start going downhill, and you start going, shut up. I'm not hearing that negative garbage anymore. And then by the time you get to 90 or later on in life, you're not even paying attention anymore. You better stop doing it. Shut up. But, you know, you literally, straight up, folks, Listen. You are pre-wired to respond to good news. You've got to learn that negative curve. Are you with me? All right, thank you. All right, Mahatma Gandhi, he said, the difference between what you were doing and what you're capable of doing would solve most of the world's problems. 
I just thought that was an interesting quote. So I'd throw it in. You know, literally, behavior matters. And if we really would be intentionally who God's created us to be, I mean, we could shift and change so many things. Stanford News, this is the periodical that's put out by Stanford University in California. But this is from January 31st, 2013. Took this right out of the article, just this one sentence, uh, by Bjorn Carey. He said, giving test subjects Superman-like flight and virtual reality simulator makes them more likely to exhibit altruistic behavior in real life. Let me read that again for you. Some of you are... <laughs> giving test subjects Superman-like abilities. Giving them that flight. See, they took a group of people, two groups, they split them in half, and they gave one group uh, the virtual reality goggles. They put them in a room and simulated everything. And the one group, they had a helicopter, and they could direct the helicopter with their hands, and they could take the helicopter to find a child who was in a crisis because he's in a diabetic crisis and he needs insulin. So they said, you can move that helicopter, and you can quickly get there and rescue the situation. So those people did that. They, they went through the simulator, and they rescued the child in trauma. So boom, that was good. So the next group they brought in, instead of being in a helicopter, they got to be Superman. And they said, the way you do it is you, you get and you fly like Superman. And when you did this, you could fly. That group were, they went right and they had wind effects, sounded like, they're flying around buildings and they find the child and they help them. And it was just like, oh, that's awesome. So then each of them were brought in a room with a lady to have just a, you know, a, a to defrag, deprocess, what happened, what did you experience? And right on the edge of the table is a big box of, of pens. And so as the lady's doing the discussion, she says, okay, now when this happened, and then she went, and then she, she knocked the pens all over the floor. The people who were in the helicopter, they paused, and when she started to help, they, they bent over and started to help a bit. Six of the people just stood there, didn't help at all. Helicopter people, some of them just went... But every single one of the people who got to be Superman, every one of them, within a second, started to pick things up right away. So the, the conclusion was, if I can give you superhuman powers, you're more likely to manifest empathy, you're more likely to change your behavior, you're more likely to manifest care in any given situation if I could give you superhuman powers. That's what Paul said in Corinthians. He said, why am I talking to you like mere humans? You're not humans. Christ in you is the hope of glory. You got the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. I mean, you are mighty in God. And you see, that's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel isn't, I saved you, now behave properly. The message of the gospel, I saved you, I've restored you to your rightful self. I have made you as I am, so are you in this world. That's the good news of the gospel. And the good news of the gospel, even just in a simple analogy like that, when, when people were shown that they, they could possess incredible abilities, it pushed something in them because of that positive bias. You literally are biased. You have a bias in you to do good, to be good. You've got to learn negativity. You've got to learn. You've got to learn. And, and it all happens through threats and warnings and all this trash that gets put on people. You know what it does? They have learned that people who experience that, it does not motivate you. It shuts you down. But when you tell somebody you're amazing, you're brilliant, and here's the most beautiful message of all, you are a child of God. You, I mean, I cannot get my head over that I'm a child of God. And that one single message transforms your whole life. And if you really believe that behavior is important, the only thing that will create 
behavior, Christ-like, God-like behavior in your life is for you to understand that behavior flows only from identity. Only from identity. Thank you. Boy, you guys are really quiet today. Merry Christmas. All right, let's move on. We got to keep moving, Pastor. Titus. We're in the book of Titus right now, and I love Titus. Titus is one of my favorite books. I've always enjoyed it. Uh, Titus chapter 1, 1 and 2. I have sent the proclamation of faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know, chose them how to live godly lives. Listen to that now. Look at that. I've been sent to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. I've been sent to teach them the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. So how do you live godly lives? There's a truth that you need to embrace, and that truth will empower you to live godly lives. So that's the start of his letter. And he's saying to Titus, he's saying, Titus, we did a blitz revival through Crete, and now I need to send you back to finish the things that were unfinished. I need to set up some leadership, and I need you to establish them in the truth that will help them live godly lives. Can I get an amen? Can I get a, let's dig into this then. All right, this then gives them confidence that they have eternal life. This gives them confidence they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the world began. Isn't that good? You know, when you understand who you are, that will give you confidence, and that will lead to godly living because you understand who you are and what your identity is. Amen, Pastor. Come on. All right, so Paul sent Titus to establish a church in Crete. Does anybody know what people lived in Crete? Cretans. Has anybody ever heard the word Cretan before? And you put your hand up if you have. It's most people over a certain age. Most younger people haven't heard Cretan before. But now, Justin, if you were going to call somebody a Cretan, what are you saying about them? You're something not so good. Yes. That's very diplomatic. But if you called somebody a Cretan, you're like, you're evil. You're, you're broken. You're messed up. You are a heathen. Because Cretans were just awful people. Now imagine you're Titus. And you know... You, the Apostle Paul said, Titus, I'm going to send you to Crete. Oh, no, please, anywhere else. Oh, my God. I want you to pastor those people that we even say about them. They're, here, look, look what it says. Look what it says. Very interesting. Titus uh, 1.10. For there, there are rebellious people there engaged in useless talk, and they deceive others. What is the useless talk? What do they say? This is especially true of those who insist on some kind of outer performance to prove salvation. That's my paraphrase, but that's exactly what he says. There's people who say, it's not just Jesus, you have to do the law too. But he says, these people are especially dangerous, and they deceive others. He says, so we got we to, gotta, you're going to have to confront those people, all right? Let's move on to verse 12. It says, even one of their own men, one of the prophets from Crete, here's what he says about his own people. Here's what one of his own people says. He says, the people of Crete are all, say all, they're all liars how do you know a Cretan is lying? He opened his mouth. That's your congregation. Praise Jesus. Cretans are always liars. They are cruel animals. They are lazy gluttons. And then Paul adds to that, and this is true. <laughs> they really are. And I want you to go there and be their pastor. Amen. So Titus was like, thank you for the call of God. So he said, this is true. And here's what he said now. So reprimand them sternly, to make them strong in the behavior, in the faith. To make them strong in the faith, they must stop listening. So rebuke them. What are we rebuking them about? You need to step into faith, and what you need to stay away from is stop listening to Jewish myths and commands of people who've turned away from the truth. 
So we got people that are in Crete, instead of teaching the pure, unadulterated, beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ, they're teaching performance religion. And you got to confront them and you got to deal with that. Why? Because behavior matters. But how is behavior produced? It's not through beating people over the head with rules. It's by inspiring people with their identity in Christ. Pastor, why do you preach like 90% of the time on identity? Why do you do that? Because identity is the only thing that's going to make you behave right. And because I'm dead serious about your behavior, because that's all people can see. They can't see that you're born again, but they can see your behavior. And because I want behavior to matter, what is empowering behavior has to be clear to every single believer. Pause, tweet that, and say amen. All right, you can go on Facebook now and say, Pastor's preaching good today. I'll stop. Thank you. Take a picture of the slide. Send it to your friends. All right, boom. They must stop. Stop it. Are you good, Terry? You're all right? All right. Do you smell the menthalyptus? I don't know what it is. I don't know. I was like, did I? step in it or what i don't know but i'm i'm a carrier it's awesome sorry birdie it's it's okay it's titus chapter three titus chapter three love it once we too say once once upon a time you were a brute a liar and he's saying we were just like them we were cretans once upon a time we were messed up we were foolish disobedient we were misled we became slaves to many lusts to pleasures once our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other once upon a time that's how we behaved say but but But. that's not how we are anymore folks We don't behave like that anymore. We really genuinely love each other, care about each other, and it's evident for everyone to see our behavior. We are manifesting the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are godly, and we are absolutely pure. You'll never get pure by the message of stop it, 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 stop it. You know how you stop it? By realizing that I am so far beyond that in my nature, my character, and who I am. I'm not trying to manifest character. The character of Christ is pushing through my life. I don't have to get a character. I got one. It's called divine nature. If you don't know that, then you're going to be stumbling through life trying to be good, not realizing that you are good. Okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, behave yourself. I'm telling you. If you don't behave yourself after this, honest to goodness, I'm telling you, I might change my methods. <laughs> No, I won't, honestly. But, 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 when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us, dealing with what the problem really was, giving us new birth. New birth and new life. Not just new birth. Yes, we were born again because God is good, but after that, we have to behave ourselves. He didn't just give you new birth, he gave you new life. He didn't, uh, had power enough to save you, Carl, but I don't have power enough to affect your ongoing behavior. No, it's, it's all there. It's all there. Giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. And because behavior matters, I will not tolerate any nonsense anymore. Because if you know this, 
this is natural. You are a slave to righteousness. You wake up every day. I'm just like, I cannot wait to manifest the goodness of God today. And that's the way it is. That's really who you are. Give me another slide. He generously, so to make all of this happen, he generously poured out his spirit on us through Christ Jesus. Because of his grace, he made us right in Pastor Carl's sight. Actually, you're not really that great in my sight. I'm pretty judgmental. <laughs> God's still working on me on that one. You know, I'm like, Ugh, what's wrong with him? No, you know what? You're right in his sight. Isn't that beautiful? Absolutely. He made us. He didn't offer us a chance to be right. He made us right in his sight. And he gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. He gave me confidence that I will inherit. I don't know if you're going to get it, though. Because you, I mean, you, you're on a slippery spot. Man, delete, do not compute. He made us. This is a trustworthy saying. This is something, when Paul says this, he's saying, this, if you're going to teach stuff, teach this. If you're going to repeat things a lot, repeat these things. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings. What? On the goodness of God, on new creation realities. I want you to insist on those things. Teach these things so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. So how do you get people to do good? Ground them, establish them in their identity in Christ. So that those who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and these teachings are beneficial for everyone. So you people are really paying attention now. That's what's going on, right? Just the quietness is I'm just taking it in. Good. Okay, let's just one time. Ready? Amen. Amen. Okay, that's good. All right. All right, that's good. All right, so let's move on. Move on. We're doing good. We're doing good. We're doing good. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. All right. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God has appeared. This, this Christmas is all about the grace of God. It's about the grace came, boom. Law came through Moses. Grace, truthfully, faithfully, grace came through Jesus Christ. All right, so the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. So what teaches us? What teaches us? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldliness, we should live soberly or sensibly, righteously, and godly, in this present age. So how do you learn? How, do you, how are you empowered to live the kind of life God wants you to live? What does that for you? Grace. Anybody else? Grace. Anybody else? Anybody else? Grace. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, sir? Grace. Identity is, is true, too. But it's the grace that teaches us what our identity is. Because as I showed you earlier, it's, it's been proven by people who study your brain and check out how you respond. Do you know that when you think negative thoughts, what happens in your brain is it literally starts to look like thorns. You, your brain dies. They say if you knew what a negative thought did to you, you would never have one again. They are so damaging. It causes thorns in your head. Here's the good news, though. You can reprogram it because, like, if I drop this clock. Uh-oh. We're going to be here all day. 
the clock is broken. See, we used to think if your brain got dropped, it got broken forever. But you know what they found out? Your brain is neuroplasty, and your brain, it can be recreated. And you can rewrite it. So you know where the thorns are? You can rewrite it. Do you know how you rewrite it? You speak good things over yourself. You listen to good news. That's how you recreate those things. And you have to do it over and over again and support it over and over again. And you'll literally, thank you, Kevin. You'll literally start to transform your life. I think that clock is fixable. Praise Jesus. It's plastic too. It's not neuroplastic, but anyway. But grace is what teaches you. It's the goodness of God that teaches you. And you know what? Behavior really, really does matter. And it's bad behavior in believers that actually affects people out there. They look at us and say, oh, you're going to church. It ain't working for you. But you know why it isn't working for most people? Because they're stuck in performance religion. They're stuck in this treadmill of, you know what? People quit because I can never be acceptable in that church. No matter what, I'll never make it because they all walk in and this is what a Christian looks like. And people just go, I could never do that. But you know what we tell them? You're awesome. Mantholiptus, you're fantastic. My, I got raised, I thank God, I got raised with a wonderful complex. My father told me my whole life I was wonderful, I could do anything I chose to do. I didn't realize everybody didn't have that benefit. But you know what, your heavenly father, he's only got one thing to say over you. You are wonderful. You are to die for. You're the apple of my eye. I can't stop thinking about you. I am mindful of you, and all my thoughts for you are good. If anybody tells you God's having a bad thought about you today, it's not in the scripture. Just tell them that ain't, that ain't right. Hello. All right, where am I? I'm in Titus chapter. All right, so give me another verse. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. I am pure. I am holy. I am the same quality of God. He didn't just say, I see you that way now. He literally made me that way. It's not that God sees you as holy. He made me holy. Yeah, not me. It's pretty rough out there. He made you holy. You got to align your conversation with what God's saying about you. You got to do that. Give me another slide. Zealous. Here it is now. You ready? And all of this equals what? It equals being zealous for good works. You know how people become zealous for good works? When they embrace the grace of God, which affects their identity. Zealous. Zealous. We need some volunteers in the nursery. Are there any believers in the room? Well, I'm zealous for stuff, but not that. We got too many volunteers for kids' church. Please stop. Who came early to shovel the snow? Thank you, because you woke up and zealous for good works. They might need the front walk shoveled. Oh, glory to God. I'm walking in the spirit now. If you were walking in the spirit today, you'd have been here to shovel. <laughs> that was wrong, wasn't it? Hey, was that wrong, Kevin? That was wrong. That didn't, that was like, that was like carrots and sticks, you know? If you want a carrot, behave yourself, be super duper. But thank God for those who did come shovel. Amen. 
Grace creates the new you, but grace also instructs you for life. So grace is a free gift and it can never be ruined. It's free. You can't work for it. Nobody can earn it. But grace also gives you life and it enables right behavior in your life. Amen. Thank you, Terry. Amen. First John 3, 1 to 3. Behold, I don't even have the clock anymore, do I, Kevin? I mean, it's shattered. What time is it, Kevin? Okay, thank you. Man, time flies when you're having fun, you know, like, oh my God. First John 3, 1 to 3, look what it says. Behold, behold the Lamb, your King. Behold, behold, pay attention. Behold means pay attention. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us, but it did not know him. Beloved, we are the children of God. Boom. And it is not yet been revealed what we shall be, but when we is revealed, when we see him, we'll be like him. Face to face, we shall see him. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. Everyone who has, and it's not the hope that Jesus is coming, although that's a part of it. The hope that you have is you know, and it's the revelation. It's the desire. Hope is the desire, the revelation of I am a child of God. Everyone who knows and embraces the revelation, I am loved by my Father. I am a child of God. Everyone who embraces that purifies himself even as he is pure. So the purity doesn't come from, I'm going to show God I can be pure. You are pure. And because you've embraced that purity, you start to manifest that purity in your life because you've embraced the hope of the Father's love for you. All right, let me give you another couple slides. You ready? Neil Anderson, fantastic. Neil Anderson, 30 years ago, he helped me out so much. He wrote the book, you know, Freedom in Christ, and he's so focused on identity and all the I am's of Christ. I am righteous. I am holy. I am pure. I am free. I am an overcomer. I am, and I just confess those things over myself over and over again because it ruled my identity. But Neil Anderson said, any attempt to live by faith beyond what you absolutely know to be true is presupposition or presumption presupposition as well but it's a presumption it's a presumption if you're trying to do something that you you know you don't understand you don't know it's presumption all right we cannot consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with how we perceive ourselves so if you don't absolutely realize and have revelation knowledge of who you are, you're going to struggle to manifest a, a consistent behavior because if you down inside don't think you're that good, you are never going to successfully behave according to what God has made you. You have to know who you are. And knowing who you are is what determines your behavior. Let me give you another little quote here. This is from Tom Asaker. He says, information does not move us. Desire moves us. And desire is ignited and grows around a most potent personal truth. What is that potent personal truth? Our identity. Our identity. The stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, who we think we are, and what we do is really what frames who you are. So you got to say the kind of things God says about you. You got to do that. Because, you know, you have never been framed for fear or negativity or warnings or threats. And sadly, religion has been really good at that for years. We've got to tell people about the good news. You're pre-wired for good news. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. He did not give you a spirit that responds to good news. Or, sorry, bad news. I mean, he did not give you a spirit that actually responds to good news. And behavior does not come from warnings and threats. It comes from good news. It's proven metaphysically in your head. Well, I don't care. I'm going to do this anyway. Well, God bless you. 
It's unbiblical. You can knock yourself out by hitting that wall. Boom, give me another one. I think I got Ephesians 4, 23, 24. Instead, the Spirit, let the Spirit, let the Spirit. It's not make the Spirit or, or get the Spirit, but let it. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Some translations say having put on your new nature because it's a done deal. It's a finished work. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, seasons change. Went from summer to fall and from fall to winter. We moved and closer in different places. I had to find some of them and I went to put them on and they didn't fit for some reason. You know, here's what happens when you embrace your new creation. Here's what happens when you embrace the finished work of the cross. You begin to realize very quickly that that nasty, miserable behavior doesn't fit me anymore because my new nature is created to walk in purity, to walk in holiness, and walk in righteousness with God. And you find out quickly that I have to put on what the new creation is. You don't want to see me walking naked in the street. Trust me. I just lost the whole place. The whole sermon's gone. I just did a bad picture. But you know, your clothing is your behavior and your attitude. Being clothed in the new creation. It's what you do because of who you are. It's what is manifest because of your nature. And your behavior is manifesting right now what you believe about yourself. What you believe about yourself. You're not doing stuff because you want to do stuff. You're doing stuff because it's rooted in what you think about yourself. So if you want to be a negative old blah, 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 that's because you got a negative disposition towards the world. If you want to be negative about people, you want to be judgmental, that's because you don't have a good view of yourself. And that's probably because all your life you were beat up by people who threatened you and warned you. And so you have a threatening and a warning operation system. And you need to right now say, delete because that's not how you're created. It's not a part of your original DNA. Because he's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. New season, new clothing, the old stuff don't fit. It's time to behave yourself. All of you. You're gonna, some of you are going to have some difficult Christmases. You're going to go see brothers and sisters who are annoying. Behave yourself. Because you need to behave yourself? No, because you're a child of God. And you know what loses out of you? You are zealous for good works. You're thinking of ways already how you can bless your family. You're already thinking and considering. You're zealous for good works. It's Christmas where you work. Birdie came today. She's handing out cards to people. She took the time to write them down, give them personal notes, and tell these people she's special. I didn't get one, but... I <laughs> I always get cards from Birdie. She remembers my birthday and everything. But you know what? You know what? That flows out of a clear understanding of who you are. You know, you know why people are cheap and stingy and don't give to other people? Because that's the way they see themselves. It's the way they see the world. They live in a realm of lack, and they don't understand that my nature is like my heavenly father. For God so loved the world, he gave, and he's my father. And giving is a part of our nature. Generosity is our life. Affection for people. It's the way we live. Please behave yourself. But do it out of your identity. Do it out of your nature. And especially do it out of a massive revelation of the grace of God.